What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hello, I'm Kendra Winchester here with Autumn Privet, and this is Reading Women, a podcast where we're reclaiming half the bookshelf by discussing books written by or about women. And today we're talking to Elizabeth Curie Chandler, the editor in chief of Goodreads, about some of her most anticipated releases for the second half of 2018. Hi, Kendra. Hello, Autumn. I I always love our most anticipated release shows. I do too. And it was such a treat to get to talk to Elizabeth about her favorite pick. We have been huge fans of Goodreads for a very, very long time. (laughs) Yes, yes. We we gush on several occasions about our different shelves and organizing systems. And um, I always update my Goodreads whenever (laughs) I start reading a book and when I finish it. So it's definitely something that we enjoy as readers. And so to get to talk to someone who co-founded it is just amazing. It's a treat. And some of you who have been listening for a while may know, notice that we are. this is a little bit different from our usual fall, anticipated fall reads episode. So Kendra, you want to talk a little bit about why we decided to do it this way this year? So we are talking to Elizabeth about some of the most anticipated reads that have popped up on Goodreads to their algorithm. They have a lot of data over there. And so she's talking about some of those and her perspective on them and kind of some of the reviews that she's been seeing on Goodreads and different things. And I found that really fascinating to see what pops up in the algorithm and how anticipated releases work when you're on the data side of the website. Yeah, and Elizabeth is really cool. And so she co-founded Goodreads in 2007, and she currently serves as the editor-in-chief. And Goodreads has 80 million members. Did you know it had that many people on it? You know, I honestly had no idea. No (laughs) clue. So it is actually the largest site for readers and book recommendations, which isn't... I mean, I knew it was huge, but I didn't know it was that huge. And Elizabeth is actually launching her own podcast soon called Books of Your Life. And it is a podcast series and book club. And the first episode will have an interview with Sarah Jessica Parker, who has a new imprint that we have been eagerly reading the books from so far. And so Elizabeth will be talking with Sarah about the books that she's excited right now. And that will be available on September 25th of 2018, which is this year, and you can find it in the iTunes store and on Google Play starting on September 25th. I'm really looking forward to hearing Sarah Jessica Parker talk about her new imprint with Hogarth. And the first book was A Place for Us, and so she is going to be talking about the other books that she is looking forward to publishing, which I have no idea what they are, but I'm very much looking forward to that since I adored A Place for Us. Right? If it's anything like A Place for Us, it's going to be amazing. And some of you may notice that my sound on this episode is a little bit different. You might hear some lawnmowers and some cicadas in the background. And that is because I was unexpectedly called out of town the day that we were supposed to record this. So it wasn't my usual recording setup. But so just so you all know, it may be a little bit different. It still sounds amazing. Kendra does an incredible job editing, but don't mind the lawnmowers. 
You know, I feel like the cicadas add a nice backdrop to the whole situation. <laughs> Ambient music for our interview. <laughs> And as always, with our most anticipated releases episode, you can find publication dates and links to all of the books that we'll be discussing in this episode in our show notes. And a full version with photos will be on our website, readingwomenpodcast.com. So without further ado, here is our talk with Elizabeth. So we're on the podcast today to talk about new books in the fall of 2018, and we have Elizabeth with us, who is one of the co-founders of Goodreads. Uh, Welcome to the podcast, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me. And we are so excited to have you because we're both major, major Goodreads nerds, and that's probably an understatement. (laughs) It's very true. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I think I've been a member for close to 10 years now, which is crazy for me to even think about. That's about as long as the site's been <laughs> going on. And, uh, oh, wow. and you said you were English majors. So Otis and I often talk about when we first launched it, the early adopters were a lot of English majors, MFA candidates, professors. <laughs> that, was, that was the core origin group um, when we first started out. So that's, that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I remember like actually my first summer I was a graduate assistant and so we had a lot of random summer training and we just sat there and had a lot of time on my hands. So I created my Goodreads account and I made all the shelves and it was just heaven. So we definitely are huge, huge fans. So it's amazing to talk to you and you're going to tell us about a little bit about some of your most anticipated books, which I'm very excited to hear about. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm the editor-in-chief and we have 80 million members now and 2.3 billion books on the site, uh, hundreds of millions of reviews and ratings. So we're always getting a ton of data. And one of my jobs is to look at the data with my team and discern what books are coming up and becoming popular. So, I mean, this is basically what we do all all the time. And um, I have a couple books that I'm happy to share with you guys. Uh, The first book I think we could talk about is Sadie by Courtney Summers. It's a young adult book. It's getting a ton of buzz on the site. It's about a girl named Sadie who's a teenager whose sister's been killed eight months ago. And she sets out to find and kill the man who murdered her sister. At the same time, there's a second narrative, which is a podcast. And a radio personality is searching for Sadie who has disappeared on her search for her sister. And it's, you know, a riff on these true crime podcasts. I read this book really quickly in one sitting, practically. The the writing is actually really great. The main character's voice is very raw and um, really compelling and original. And then you have this podcast that's interspersed throughout the book that fills in a lot of the details. And it's it's a real page turner. That sounds really cool. And that is integrating podcasts in with the narrative as well. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me, I went to journalism grad school, and it reminds me of the things that we used to have to do for classes where we would write, you know, the scripts for a radio show. And uh, it's a totally different style of writing, different type of um, structure. But it really balances this very almost literary style of writing. It's a good balance to the story of Sadie, her story. I've heard so much buzz for it because I think uh, as we're recording this, it's just coming out. And all the podcasts I listen to and like the main channels that I watch on BookTube, they're all talking about Sadie. And so when I heard that you were going to be talking about it, I was like, oh, that's that book. Uh, It sounds really amazing. And Autumn 
is a huge fan of true crime, particularly. So it sounds like something. Yes. Like Indeed, it does. Yeah, true crime has really taken off. I feel like in the past year or so, it's there's a lot of books being published in that genre, and we we've really noticed on the on the site on Goodreads that readers are reading these books and rating them highly and gobbling them up. Well, that sounds excellent. (laughs) You want me to tell you about another book that we're noticing uh, a lot of buzz and excitement? Of course. We'd love to hear about more books. We're always here for books. Sure. Sure. Okay. Um, The second book I'd love to tell you about is um, Washington Black by Essie Adugian. And this book is... Um, a fascinating tale about slavery, racism, and identity, but it's told in the form of an adventure novel. So it's set in the 1830s, and the main character, Wash, is an 11-year-old slave, and he's tasked to live with an eccentric gentleman scientist. And being the 1830s, this scientist is a naturalist, explorer, inventor, and abolitionist. And Wash follows him all over the globe. He goes to the Canadian Arctic. He goes to Morocco. And along the way, he's really questioning what it means to be truly free. And I think our readers love the book for a couple reasons. One, it touches on important issues. Two, it's entertaining. And three, it also has a lot of depth. So I think people who would be interested in adventure novels and also people who are unfamiliar with this world will really enjoy diving into the book. Yeah, and I've heard amazing things about this one as well. It was long listed for the Man Booker Prize. And one of the things I love about Goodreads is that you show multiple editions of the same book, and the UK cover is just, it's just melt-worthy. It is beautiful. I think, is that the one with the octopus on it? Yes. Yeah, it's really... Like the red octopus? Yeah, 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 I know. Oh, my that. goodness. We, we do love to go on Goodreads and, like, compare the different covers. And sometimes Kendra and I go and buy the UK edition on purpose. No lie. That's awesome. I mean, it also has different release dates, so it can be, you know. Get them early, for yeah, sure. Yeah, I remember once I was, was traveling and I was in the airport in Heathrow and I was able to get a Harry Potter book months early. And that was quite exciting. Oh, that's oh, man. That amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I don't remember, is Washington Black her debut novel or does she have other books as well? No, she's written a couple other books. She wrote an international bestseller called Half-Blood Blues. Um, So she has has written, it's not a debut novel. I really like how well it moves along. It has a really nice pace to it. And then it's just very, it has a little bit of whimsy to the story. The gentleman scientist kind of leads them on these crazy adventures. It's a it's a really it's a good book. Now we also saw that there's some pretty big name authors who have some new books coming out this fall as well. You wanna tell us about some of those? Sure. Um well there's transcription by Kate Atkinson. And Kate Atkinson is lo- beloved on Goodreads. You know, she wrote the bestseller Life After Life and Case Histories. And this new book is called Transcription. It's getting a lot of pre-release buzz. Uh, the main character, Juliet Armstrong, is recruited by MI5 during World War II. And she's tasked with writing transcripts uh, that she listens to of British fascist sympathizers. Essentially, there's a guy who's a double agent, and he 
pretends to be a supporter of the German cause, and he invites these people into this apartment that's been bugged all over, and they're recording all their conversations, and her job is to transcribe them. But then what happens is many years later, she has a new job. She works for the BBC. She's a civilian, and she runs into someone from her past and realizes that she's going to have to pay a price for some of her previous actions. And it's a really interesting book because it's also inspired by a couple of real figures from World War II. And, I mean, it's it's classic Atkins, Atkinson. The character development's great. The main character is acerbic, yet kind of naive. She's genteel, but very tough. And I have a quote from a Goodreads member. Um, they say, this, my friends, is a spy novel and a real juicy one at that. But it does have the one Atkinson trademark, where you finish it feeling like you've read a fancy literary novel while still indulging in real genre thrills. That's a great blurb. <laughs> Yeah. Our, I love our reviewers. They're amazing. They're always inspiring and humbling often. I, I read reviews and I think, oh, they did a much better job of that than I could have. <laughs> I'm always amazed, too, at like how dedicated people are to writing their reviews. I usually just end up saying, oh, my gosh, everyone go read this book. And <laughs> I really love when they start getting very creative and they add GIFs. Yes. And it's just like a series of emotions in GIFs. And I'm like, you know what? I feel that way too. Yeah. <laughs> and you also were talking about a new book by Ling Ma. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that one? That one has some amazing reviews. You should go onto the site to read them because, well, first of all, Severance by Ling Ma is a pre and post apocalyptic anti capitalist office satire, if that exists. Well, it exists now, <laughs> and it chronicles a millennial's journey from worker bee to survivor. One of our reviewers called it an office, an Atroishka doll. She said it's an office satire inside a post-apocalyptic road trip, inside an immigrant experience, inside a millennial coming-of-age story, inside an anti-capitalism tale. <laughs> and basically, you have this character who is a worker bee in New York City, and a plague hits called Shen Fever. And the fever t causes people to turn into nonviolent zombies who repeat rote tasks over and over again until they slip into fatal unconsciousness. And while the whole world's falling apart around her, she decides to continue to work um, at her job because she'd like to maybe get a prom promotion and she wants to get her next payout. But finally, she leaves her job and New York City and goes on a trip west with a small group of survivors. And there's one reader who calls it a violent, hopeless, and compellingly dismal take on current society. And then my favorite review is, ever wondered about the connection between globalization, your office job, and the zombie apocalypse? Well, no worries. Ma figured that one out for you. <laughs> Oh my goodness. I feel like I have to read this one soon because I just finished the book of M and I really want to read another post-apocalyptic book. Yeah, this sounds like a good one. And I just, I mean, those are a lot of different threads to bring together. And I, I love it when people kind of mishmash genres or bring together art from different se sections and, and kind of to see what happens. I always find that interesting, even if it's not, you know, a perfect success. Yeah. I've, I've heard great things about this one as well. I, feel like I've seen that cover everywhere and it's like is that is that millennial pink is that what they call the cover I think so I do think it is millennial pink and I, <laughs> I did see in some of the reviews that 
people were talking about how it's a really interesting perspective at office life through the eyes of the millennial. One of the other books you I saw on your preview list that you sent us, I was excited to see because I just read an article about the personality brokers. We recently had a guest on the podcast talking about personality types, and I've been a personality type junkie. So I'm really eager to read this book. Would you like to tell us a little bit about it? So have you taken a Myers-Briggs test? I have. I have as well. <laughs> and have you taken it more than once? I have taken yes. it more than once. And was was the result the same? I have one letter. I think it's the see the I and the T and the F. I think depending on what day it is, switch back and forth. But it's actually pretty consistent. Yeah, I'm the same in the T and F, and but I go more F, and I think Autumn goes more T. Yeah, I go more T. Yeah, yeah, no, I think thinking, yeah, thinking versus feeling. I've taken it a couple times and gotten completely different answers. So I was oh, wow. interesting. This book, The Personality Brokers, is a history of the Myers-Briggs test, which was conceived by a mother-daughter team in the 1920s. It's almost 100 years old. And it's pretty interesting because they were not scientists. They were aspiring novelists and homemakers. And you learn about how Jung's philosophy, psychology influenced the test, as well as things that the two women just made up. So it's pretty fascinating because now, 100 years later, the test still influences the CIA, Fortune 500 companies, websites, dating apps. And it's interesting because I think Emory looks at its flaws, uh, which is crazy because so many people use this systematically in their work. And one of my favorite reviews uh, was someone said, fascinating, weirdest true story ever. And I especially like this review. This bizarre and compulsively readable history will make you think a little more deeply about all the professional development activities or Tinder profiles that you come across that reference the Myers-Briggs test. That's so interesting. Yeah. I love learning history about different common elements that we have in our society, including personality tests. And Autumn is definitely the one who's tried to influence my going and taking these tests, uh, including the Enneagram. And so when I saw her this weekend, I definitely referenced that I was a one like 5 billion times. Uh, but I've been always interested in the Myers-Briggs because it was the first personality test that I was ever introduced to. Yeah. And people have said that this is an opportunity. It, it dives into the question of why people are so interested in learning about themselves. That is a, a driving force in all of us. It's true. And I didn't even know that it was created by a mother and daughter. I guess I always assumed a man came up or two men came up with this test. Um, So I'm interested to read it too for that, just to learn more about them as well. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like a really great book. It also takes talent to take something as dry as a test, bring life and carry it through a hundred years of history successfully. So yeah, for sure. Thanks. I love a good narrative nonfiction work, so I'm very excited about this one. But whenever I get to around, you know, October, I'm very much looking forward to mysteries and thrillers. And I saw that one was on your list. Uh, So would you like to tell us about that one? Sure. Um, For mystery and thriller lovers, Tana French has another book out this fall. But this book's a little different. It's not another book from her Dublin Murder Squad series. 
The central character is not a police detective, but it's a civilian. And it's not part of a series, it's a standalone novel. And it's interesting, too, because it's a, really a character study with a murder twist. Uh, Tana French did an interview with us for our October Goodreads newsletter. And she said she wanted to write this book because she wanted to study the link between luck and empathy. She said to us, was what, what about someone who had been lucky in every sense all the way through life? Someone who, who was, you know, white, straight, male, intelligent, good looking, and from a comfortable background, someone who had gotten all the right coin flips in life. And what would that do to their sense of empathy? So when she asked this question, it's the story of a, a guy named Toby who's gotten all the lucky breaks in life. He's done some slightly sketchy things at his work at a gallery where he's a PR director. And, but he seems to dodge all those consequences and everything changes when he goes home and he gets beaten senseless by two burglars who are in his apartment. And he's injured quite badly and he moves home to his family's ancestral home to help take care of his terminally ill Uncle Hugo. And when he's there, a skull is found in a trunk of a tree and the police show up and Toby realizes that his past and his identity may not be what he thought they were. And we have hundreds of readers begging for this book on the site. They're begging for ARCs. And one of my favorite reviews says, reading Tana French means disappearing into another life for a while. Her stories aren't meant to be slick or flashy, but deliberate, intricate studies of characters and their motivations. Well, that sounds really amazing. And I always feel kind of overwhelmed when I see Tana French's books because they're part, usually part of her Dublin Murder Squad series. But this sounds like a perfect way to enter into the world of Tana French. Yeah, I think it's classic Tana French. It's really detailed. It's very dense. It has very intricate plotting and really strong character studies. But it is a standalone novel, so you can just eat it up in one bite. That sounds delightful. I'm actually really, really excited about that one because I just, I don't know what it is about fall and October. Maybe it's Halloween, but I definitely want more mysteries and thrillers. <laughs> Same. So yeah, you can do that or Sadie. Both of those are pretty, pretty exciting and a little scary. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one on your list was another nonfiction by the daughter of Steve Jobs. Yes. Small Fry is a memoir by Lisa Brennan Jobs, and she's the first child of Steve Jobs, founder of Apple. Her parents were never married. And I think readers will be interested in this book because it's a look at the private life of Jobs. And our readers are fascinated by stories about people who accomplish big things in life, but their personal lives are a mess. And But this is very much the daughter's story. It's a coming-of-age memoir, and it's really quite heartbreaking because you see that she really only she only gets small pieces of her father, and she she's always left wanting more. And I think it'd be good for people interested in reading about Silicon Valley in the '80s and '90s, and also for readers who like learning about what it's like to grow up in the shadow of genius. I think Steve Jobs is one of those characters that the interest in the public sphere is not going to go away anytime soon. And I was really interested to see that his daughter had written this book. It'd be interesting to see what her take on it is. Yeah, I mean, she's actually from the same hometown as myself. So I think I enjoyed it also just because all the places she goes, I could visualize in my mind. 
you know, it would say Draeger's and I'd be like, check, that's the gro- one of the grocery stores in the, in the town. <laughs> go to this restaurant. I'm like, oh, been to that restaurant. Oh, that dance studio isn't quite as close to Printer's Inc., the bookstore, as you say so in the book. Like, you know, there are a lot. <laughs> I, en- I enjoyed that um, just on a personal level. But I think, you know, it is always very, very interesting to see what it's like for people to grow up with such a big personality and a, and a very important figure so close in their lives. Um, we've seen a couple books like that come out recently. I also read um, Famous Father Girl, which is by the daughter of Leonard Bernstein. And she similarly sort of grapples with this, you know, you want to be like your father, but you want to be different. You want his attention, but nothing you do is ever going to equal the level that that person is currently operating at. So there's just a lot of this kind of turmoil that you can read about in these in these memoirs. And I feel like they had such a tumultuous relationship. I, I've seen the story of Jobs's relationship with his daughter from more Jobs perspective, but I'm very excited that Lisa as a woman, as a daughter is having this chance to tell her own side of the story so that we can actually hear what her perspective is on her very, well, her very famous father. Yeah, well, and it's also controversial. I don't know if you know, but both his widow and his sister have spoken out publicly saying that this is not the Steve Jobs that they know. Oh, wow. Adds even more kind of currents, more currents to this story that are all working, you know, against and around each other. It's uh, it's one more interesting perspective. Makes me want to read it even more, which I think, of course, is, you know, helpful for for the popularity of this book, because I have seen so many people already carrying it around. And as we're recording this, it came out today. So exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a testament to how many people want to hear her story. So I just, I just love that. I'm a tech nerd. So I just, I yeah. love that. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, we have one more book on your list. So would you like to tell us about that one? Cause I've, I've heard great things about it, but I'm really excited to hear your take on it. Sure. I mean, you probably know Barbara Kingsolver. She's written the Poisonwood Bible, the Lacuna and others. She's beloved on Goodreads. And this is another fall release that's timely and it's resonating with a lot of readers. Uh, Shelter is about home, told through the stories of two families from different time periods living in the same house in New Jersey. And the present day family is struggling. Uh, Despite years working in magazines, Willa, the the matriarch of the family, and her husband, Ayana, who's a professor, uh, they find themselves middle-aged, living in an old house that's falling apart and barely able to make ends meet. And then as Willa learns more about her home's history, the book travels back in time to tell the story of Thatcher Greenwood, a science teacher in Vineland, New Jersey, in the late 1800s, whose enthusiasm for Charles Darwin's new theory of evolution endangers his livelihood and his reputation. And it's a really interesting book because it's about how science and faith are putting put up against each other. And it's really also about kind of the the unraveling of the of the American dream. One of our readers says King Solver takes on the rise of the service economy, materialism, middle class disenfranchisement and anger, a labyrinthine healthcare system, immigration, and the despair of feeling like you've made all the right decisions only to be left holding an empty bag. 
Ultimately, this is a story of the unraveling of the American dream and perhaps a lesson that this dream must periodically unravel to allow the attendant disruption to move us forward. So it's a, it's a pretty, pretty timely book. Um, King Solver, of course, likes to take on big issues. She doesn't seem to aim small. Uh, we did an interview with her for our October Goodreads newsletter as well. And she says in it, what in the heck is going on? How can it be that all of the rules about what kind of leaders people admire and elect to public office and how we behave as citizens of the world no longer seem to apply? All the rules seem to be changing. And not only that, but larger biological rules about our home, the idea that the poles would always be covered with ice and that there would always be more fish in the sea. All these things I've, that I've always counted on suddenly were no longer true. And then she goes on to say, I understood that I needed to write about how people behave in moments of cultural crisis. That sounds extremely relevant right now. And she is such a legend. I, I just love it when writers who are just so legendary, I, I you expect them to be kind of classic, like they are no longer working or they have passed away, but she just keep going. She just keeps going and she keeps writing amazing books and that's just wonderful to see. Yeah, I mean she's she seems to be in her prime. Yeah, that is just a beautiful thing. And all of these books, as I keep saying, I heard such wonderful things about them. So <laughs> I'm so happy to hear you tell us about them. Yeah, no, they, uh, we, we see a lot of excitement on Goodreads about these books right now. So, you know, we're watching them closely. And it's always really fun to see how they perform after they're released because the really, really great books will keep getting a lot of reads and a lot of high reviews. And then maybe, you know, that's how we are able to see what kind of books uh, make it through the nomination process for our Goodreads Choice Awards, which happens in a couple months. So pretty exciting. Yeah, those are always exciting. I, I love seeing that. And I'm always like one of the like, okay, it, it comes into my phone in the early, early morning or whatever. And I am there voting for them because I love seeing all the different books in different categories. I just love bookish awards, so I'll just quit nerding out on you. But <laughs> I look forward to it. So, <laughs> thank you so much for doing this with us. We greatly appreciate it. And again, thank you for co-founding Goodreads because that is an amazing website. <laughs> You're welcome. It was we kind of did it because we just really wanted to use it, and it surprised us that so many other people felt the same need to track and share books with our friends. And, you know, now we have 80 million members, which is kind of mind blowing and humbling. And it's been a crazy ride and uh, also a really fun ride. And um, we're just happy that we get to help share books and help other people read more. So Elizabeth, thank you for coming on the podcast and recommending all of these amazing books. We can't wait to read them and we know all of our listeners will love to read them as well. So thank you for celebrating books by about women. Thanks so much for having me. I don't know about you, but I just added a bunch of new books to my TBR. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm really interested in hearing her perspective on the different reviews and how she was talking about their most anticipated releases and then how they perform after they come out. Mm -hmm. And I honestly, I know I mentioned it in the talk, but I've always wanted to read Tana French, but I really don't know where to start. And I'm not sure I want to start a huge series. So I've definitely already gotten my foot in the door and I'm in line at my library for this audiobook for her latest one. (laughs) 
ready ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many good books coming out this fall. So that's it for this episode. Uh, please review us if you haven't already in Apple Podcast or your podcatcher of choice. It really does give us a bump in the algorithm, and we always love seeing your reviews. So thank you so much if you've already done that. You also can check out our newsletter for our most anticipated books of the month. We have usually six to eight every week that I'm really excited about and wanting everyone uh, to check out as well. So if you want even more new books than we've talked about today, definitely go check that out. And of course, that will be in our show notes. And if you're not on Goodreads, you definitely, I would definitely recommend signing up for Goodreads. It's a great bookish community. You can follow Elizabeth at Goodreads Girl, and there is a Goodreads group on the Goodreads website for the Books of Your Life podcast. And the first episode of the Books of Your Life podcast will be coming out on September 25th, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. And as for us, you can find Reading Women on Instagram and Twitter at The Reading Women. You can find Kendra at KD Winchester. You can find me at Autumn Privet. You can also find us at readingwomenpodcast.com, as Kendra mentioned, where you can sign up for our newsletter and see lots of extra goodies that we don't include on the podcast. So thank you all so much for listening, and we will talk to you again soon. Bye.